Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Tuesday, January the 31st. In this week's podcast, we're going to be discussing socioeconomic status, reduced life expectancy and risk factors for non-communicable diseases. To find out more, let's hear from our guest interviewee and one of the authors of this paper introducing herself. I'm Dr. Silvia Stringini. I'm a senior lecturer at the Institute of Social and Preventive Medicine in Lausanne, in Switzerland. Now, this is a subject that is, is, is in a sense, well known to us, something we cover a lot, and we're discussing socioeconomic status and poor health. I just want to be clear from the outset here, of course, that the links between lower socioeconomic status and health, or poor health, that is well documented, isn't it, generally? So that's not, not, not the point of this analysis. The real emphasis here, and perhaps you could just outline, if you like, the aims of your research, is framing it within the context of non-communicable diseases. Let's refer to them now on as NCDs, because, of course, there is a, a global framework, the NCD global targets for 25 by 25. So can you give us some context? Tell us what the clear aims of your research are here. Thank you, Richard. Of course, the link between socioeconomic status and poor health are well known. This study had actually a different aim, and it aimed to compare the effect of poor socioeconomic circumstances to that of major risk factors such as smoking, physical inactivity, obesity, diabetes, and hypertension in predicting premature mortality also from NCDs. So these major risk factors that I just described are commonly targeted by global health strategies for the prevention of NCDs, while poor socioeconomic circumstances are currently not considered as targetable, modifiable risk factors in this plan. So that's why we decided to look and compare socioeconomic status to these other major risk factors and look what the figures would give us in this very large study. And can you just remind us about the global targets for the WHO NCD program. It's 25 by 25 is its strap line. So that means, what, a 25% reduction in NCDs by 2025. Can you give some more detail on that? So in 2013, the the World Health Organization set this global action plan for the prevention and control of communicable diseases, where it targeted seven major risk factors comprising the harmful use of alcohol, insufficient physical activity, current tobacco use, hyperpressure, pressure, intake of salt, uh, diabetes and obesity. And these are what they are referred to, to 25 or 25 risk factors. And the overall aim is, as you said, to reduce premature mortality from non-communicable diseases by 25% by 2025. On the other hand, this is also the Sustainable Development Goals. It is also there that uh, we, we wanted to aim to compare these risk factors and socioeconomic status because although in the Sustainable Development Goals they consider poverty as a major global issue, they do not consider the interrelation between social circumstances and health. So there are these two big global frameworks the SDG and the Global Action Plan, I think they're still lacking an integration with the, the, what we, we well know, and that is the, if the impact of low socioeconomic status on health. Please go on now and detail a little bit about the methodology for, for your study, because huge data sets here from mm-hmm. international sources. Tell us how you pulled it together. So this is a large international study which is integrated in a European-funded Horizon 2020 project called LifePath. 
and we use individual level data from 48 independent prospective cohorts and these cohorts are from Europe, the USA and Australia. We were able to get a total population of about one 0.7 million individuals. The specific aim was to determine the population attributable fraction and the years of life lost due to low socioeconomic status and compare these to the years of life lost and population attributable fraction of the 25 or 25 risk factors. You mentioned the population attributable fraction, PAF. Can you just give a little bit more detail about the significance of PAF in this study? Yeah, this estimate in this particular context allowed us to estimate the proportion of premature mortality that could be reduced if low socioeconomic status or the other risk factors for which we calculate PATH were eliminated. So it is a proportion of what could be eliminated in premature mortality if we eliminate the risk factor in question. You mentioned these 48 studies. You actually ran a meta-analysis, is that right? Yes, these studies were analyzed independently, so each cohort uh, had this, the analysis independent, and then, then we meta-analyzed the results. So this is kind of a uh, meta-analysis, but based on individual data that we own. We didn't meta-analyze existing studies, but our own data. And this is to account for the heterogeneity and differences between the studies that were very various and from very different countries. Can you go on and summarise the main results? Because the point here, of course, is now that with, with the methodology that you've just described, you've now got the ability to compare socioeconomic status as a risk factor for poor health alongside the established risk factors that are well known within the yeah. NCD programme. So the top line findings, please, Sylvia. What we found is that the impact of low socioeconomic status on premature mortality is actually comparable to that of the major non-communicable disease risk factors that I just mentioned previously and that are targeted by global health strategies. And most specifically, if we consider the population attributable fraction that I just described, what we found is that low socioeconomic status was the third most powerful risk factor after smoking and physical activity and that the, the impact of low socioeconomic status was more important than that of major risk factors such as diabetes, hypertension or obesity. Perhaps the most important area for us to focus on just for a couple of minutes now is what we do with these data. What do these results mean for policy? This is a very important question, actually. And although, as you can imagine, this study is not about policy and we didn't, we, we didn't uh, what, what I say is just what we... Uh, we, we ourselves think should be an implication and, and uh, observe from other studies. These results imply that poor socioeconomic circumstances should be, should be targeted by global health strategies, as, as we say, but also by national prevention policies, of course, along with the other major risk factors. What we know is that socioeconomic disadvantage not only is a very important risk factor, but is actually also modifiable. And for example, through interventions such as promotion of early childhood development, through poverty reduction, improvement to access to high-quality education, or, for example, enacting compulsory schooling laws, creation of safe homes, schools, and work environments, and many, and many other social policies. We know that we can modify socioeconomic disadvantage. We know that it has a strong impact on health, premature mortality, NCDs, and that his impact is comparable to that of major risk factors, so it is probably time that these socioeconomic circumstances are also targeted and addressed as major modifiable risk factors. From your research and the huge data sets you've drawn upon from many different countries, do we have knowledge of countries or regions where policy is such that socioeconomic status or the differences between high and low socioeconomic 
economic status is reduced, are we seeing better health outcomes as a result? So can we point to examples where perhaps there might be social policies going on whereby socio-economic status gradients, differences, are not so pronounced and we can see that as a result of that then health outcomes are better. This is really a controversial uh, question and it's complicated and uh, the answer is very complicated because we have different ways of measuring socioeconomic distances but what we know is that when in countries where social welfare is much more pronounced the absolute socioeconomic inequalities are reduced. So I take the example of Scandinavian countries where there is a much larger welfare state than in other countries. And then specifically, we know that many policies, including those that I just mentioned, have the ability to reduce socioeconomic inequalities. For example, all the policies that target early life and the adverse socioeconomic circumstances in early life, such as providing free childcare, they actually in the long run reduce not only social inequalities, but also social inequalities in health. So there are examples at the local and community level and at the national level where really with, through social policy it is possible to reduce social inequalities in general and these social inequalities in health. What are the next steps? This research is published. It clearly has implications. Obviously we're, we're very much in the SDG, the Sustainable Development Goal era, yeah. taking us to 2030. What next? What is really missing in this uh, NTD reduction planning is this like an overhaul addressing also the fact that social policies should also be integrated also because socioeconomic factors influence the major risk factors for NCDs that I just outlined previously. There should be also an issue and an interest in social policies as tools for reducing NCDs. And then as other actions at a research level, our next step is to examine whether these differences also exist for functional limitations. So here we just look at mortality and we estimate the years of life loss. Our next aim is to look at whether the socioeconomic circumstances have a strong impact on aging and on functional capacity and also and take a, like a, a same, the same approach that we use here but with years of functioning loss and, uh, instead of years of life loss and see how this can be integrated also in the policies on healthy aging in general. Thank you very much indeed. That's Dr. Sylvia Stringini on the line from Lausanne in Switzerland. Thank you very much indeed for talking to The Lancet and good luck with your ongoing work in this area. Thank you very much, Richard.